Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about manic mode. Now, manic mode, I think for most people, tends to slide into the bipolar category. I've looked into the bipolar category, though I, albeit not terribly much, I will look into it more. But I don't at this point think my child has bipolar, but she definitely has manic times and down times. But I'm going to kind of explain. I woke up this morning and realized she's in manic mode. And I will go into more details about what that looks like for us. But I decided to talk about that today. So when I looked up in the DSM-5 what mania means in their little definition of technical terms in the back, and their definition is a mental state of elevated, expansive, or irritable mood and persistently increased level of activity or energy. So they do have an or for the irritable part. I have a love-hate relationship with my daughter's mania because while it is very intense, very intense, she's happy. She gets really, really happy. So she heightens all of her behaviors when it comes to impulsivity issues and and pestering people (laughs) and being just all out insane all the time. But she doesn't, she's really happy. So it's kind of like, Part of me loves it when she's like this and part of me gets so worn out. But she's not angry and angry is a big part of most of her life. So it's kind of nice. So when you look up bipolar or manic episode, when you look up manic episode, they have it in the DSM-5 under bipolar one disorder or in bipolar and related disorder due to another medical condition. Now, the bipolar section is fairly large, which is great. I mean, I wish the reactive attachment section were this large. They have a lot of information here. They have, um, they talk about hypomanic episodes, which is, I think, just a step under regular manic. They talk about culture-related diagnostic issues and gender-related diagnostic issues and different diagnostic markers and, and, whether it's due to medication or whether it's, you know, it just has a lot of information here. So when you go through and remember that I have the old version of the DSM-5, I don't have the newer version. So feel free to look up more in the newer version if that's what you want. It was like $175 more expensive. So I didn't get it. So here I am looking at old news but I think most of the basic ideas are still the same. So if you go to page 127 to 129 in the DSM-5, actually, I'm going to start at 124 because it talks about the characteristics of a manic episode on page 124. A distinct period of abnormally and persistently elevated, expansive, or irritable mood, and abnormally and persistent increased goal-directed activity or energy, lasting at least one week and present most of the day, nearly every day, and it says, or any duration of hospitalization is necessary. So... (sighs) I will, I'll explain more. I'm going to keep going. I'll explain what it looks like for us later. So B, during the period of mood disturbance and increased energy or activity, three or more of the following symptoms, four, if the mood is only irritable, are present to significant degree and represent a noticeable change in usual behavior. So number one, inflated self-esteem or grandiosity. 
Number two, decreased need for sleep. Number three, more talkative than usual or pressure to keep talking. Number four, flight of ideas or subjective experience that thoughts are racing. (laughs) Oh, I laugh. I laugh because let me explain how this goes. I decided to do this episode on mania because I woke up this morning and my daughter, I could tell, was having one of her manic episodes. So as I'm going through this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even looked at this. And yes, all of these fit. So number five, distractibility. For example, attention to easily drawn to unimportant or irrelevant external stimuli as reported or observed. Number six, increased or goal-directed activity, either socially, at work or school or sexually, or psychomotor agitation, such as purposeless, non-goal-directed activity. Number seven, excessive involvement in activities that have high potential for painful consequences. For example, engaging in unrestrained buying sprees, sexual indiscretions, or foolish business investments. Okay, (laughs) so I decided that I was going to do the manic behavior. And then at the very last minute, I decided I was going to add the DSM-5 in here because I've looked up stuff. I didn't think she has bipolar, but I I did want to look at the manic episode. And so I'm going to now tell you some of the stuff I wrote my notes about before. So... After two weeks from coming home from our vacation and having to deal with her, you know, settling back in recovery situation where she was in like super passive aggressive or just really aggressive modes, woke up this morning, like I said, now she's manic. (laughs) So she has more energy than I can shake a stick at. I have seen kids that have more energy for short bursts. But I, I've never met one who can last in this duration. So I can't think of a time when it has lasted more than six weeks, her manic episodes, but it's very intense. But she, like I said, she's really happy. So now I'm going to explain what this looks like. Now you all know as parents of difficult children, it's really hard to explain what all these nuances are, what all these things are. So I hope you'll, you'll give me a little benefit of the doubt here. So she woke her sister up this morning at 4 a.m. So sleep doesn't endure long in the manic phase. And (laughs) so when I was reading that part, a number two, where it says decreased need for sleep, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm right. Because sometimes it's just so good to realize that you're right. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to rewind. Okay. Cause I'm going to go all the way back to bedtime last night. So for a normal bedtime, she gets tired. She doesn't get tired any other point during the day unless she's had her medication, which slows her down. So she doesn't get tired and, but she will at nighttime. Her body's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I've done so much today. I need a nap. So she'll get tired. She'll brush her teeth. She'll sometimes we'll read a book. She'll pick out her favorite songs. And then she's kind of okay going to bed. And occasionally she'll be like, Mom, I need a melatonin. I can't go to sleep. But oftentimes she can make it to bed without a melatonin. So 
In manic times, she doesn't get exhausted. Her body doesn't wear out. She has to have a melatonin before she goes to bed. And this is, of course, with doctor and therapist encouragement. This was all approved by her pediatrician and her therapist. So her melatonin takes about 15 minutes to kick in. But when she's not manic, it makes her worn out. She's ready for bed. But when she is manic, it just slows her down, which is fine. I mean, we will take that, right? So in her manic times, she will fight bedtime like she is a toddler. She'll flip on the floor and she'll cry. She'll beg to stay up longer. She'll sneak out of her bed 900 times and scream at anybody who tells her she's supposed to be in bed. And to me, this all screams dysregulation. Her brain can't slow and organize itself. So she can't seem to calm herself down. So the reason I jumped to this is because of a personal experience I had, and it kind of just makes me go here. This actually is a place I went with my son, my oldest son for the first time, because I noticed he would have trouble. He didn't, it's not manic trouble, but I'll explain. So several years ago, I found myself with an injury to my brain. So I went from loving to be in groups to not being able to handle tons of input at the same time. I would come home from, let's say, church, and I was way too overloaded to make any sense of anything, and I would feel panicky. It felt like my brain was foggy, and it wasn't fear, but it was all of the fidgetiness that comes with fear. So I'd twirl my ankles and my wrists, and I would rub my hands together, and I would hum, and I didn't realize I was doing this, but it was like a comforting behavior. And I did all these odd things because my brain felt like it was humming, and it was driving me crazy. Okay. So none of what I did was terribly voluntary. Like, I mean, I wasn't like I purposely am rubbing my hands together to make this happen, but I just find that I'm rubbing my hands together. Right. But it was what my body did to deal with the inability to process all the things that came into my brain. So now this is my experience and this is where I go when I look at my little one and I see what's going on with her. Now I might be wrong, but it is to me what makes the most sense and it's kind of how I approach it. So if you understand in the, when at the end when I tell you how I'm going to approach it. So eventually my brain would calm down and hers eventually calms down too. But mine would calm down in a few hours and hers at the fastest is at least a few days. Like she can't come down quickly from this. It doesn't happen. So anyway, back to what it looks like. After a very dramatic trip to bed, she then, as I said earlier, woke up her sister at 4 a.m. to play. Well, her sister gets mad because it's 4 a.m. And instead of getting Instead of the little one getting mad like she normally would, she just grabs her favorite blanket and bounces herself down the stairs to the living room. Like these are great things because when she's not manic, I assure you someone's getting screamed at. Like this is, so this is a nice change, but it's also very concerning at the same time. So she has a brother who usually wakes up between like 5 and 5.30. So she practices in the living room, jumping as far as she can until he wakes up and comes to the living room. And then once he's there, they both practice jumping as far as they can. (laughs) 
until brother tells her that she's being too loud. So this is when she kicks over into cat mode. And cat mode only shows up when she's manic. And while I love the positivity for her manic phase, I hate cat mode. I hate it. She rubs herself against everybody. She meows. She eats stuff on the floor. She scratches people. She doesn't do it out of anger. It's usually a quote unquote accident while she's convinced somebody to like pull a string for her and then she just swipes at their arm. And I have been the recipient of some of those scratches and I can assure you uh, she's nowhere close to that string. It seems very intentional. So the family gets up, the family alarm, let me explain that. The family alarm goes off at 630 because all of my kids attend the same school and they have to be up at the same time. So we all meet downstairs for family meeting and scripture and we get another exhibit of how far she can jump. And this goes on for several minutes because, and it's fine, like we're all just kind of waking up the rest of us. She's been up for an hour. (laughs) Oh, actually, she's been up for two, two and a half hours at this point. So <laughs> when she's manic, I'm just going to explain, she makes a lot of noises and she moves her body constantly. So I'm trying to figure out how to explain this without showing you visually. <laughs> but so just like I, you know, would rub my hands together, she'll do that. She loves pushing her head from front to back and her chest in and out. And she'll move her whole body like she'll stick all of her limbs out and bring them back in. I don't know how to explain it, but that's the best way I can explain it. And then she'll make noises like, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh. <laughs> but this never ends. This is just like always. <laughs> oh, her the entire time. Her head is moving, her body's moving, she's making the noises. And if she can't, like if you tell her she's gotta be quiet, she'll do it with her lips. She'll do like an ooh ah ooh ah ooh but without making the sound, but she'll do that with her lips. And she also does like an <laughs> she does it with her chest. This is so hard to explain. But she she just can't stop moving. She can't stop moving. And for some of us, we learn to like tap our foot when we're needing to move and we can't, or we rub our hands or we tap our leg or something. But hers is like a full body, (laughs) full body thing. She has to do. And it's really, I didn't notice until I was prepping for this, that it's very often that in out, in out move for her. It must be comforting to her in some way. So she will transition this morning from dancing, like the in, out, in, out, to being a cat, to singing, to jumping as far as she can, and then starting it all over again. She kind of cycles through them. And for the most part, I just let her do this. But when she gets loud, which is often, I'll tell her she has to be quiet, and then she'll do all that stuff quietly. And then she can't help herself. She'll just bust out like, meow. (laughs) She just. (laughs) she just can't help herself she tries but her trying lasts like I don't know 45 seconds maybe a minute and a half she just she can't do it so (laughs) I my motherly panic kicks in right I worry about what she's gonna be like at school I make sure she's got her medication I know that already her teacher finds her behaviors very intense (laughs) And she's never been at manic mode at school before. So I am terrified. And I, 
have another funny story about that in a minute. So (laughs) she's really loving when she's in manic mode. I don't know what happens to her. I don't really understand how this works. I don't know if in manic mode, you're getting all your extra dopamine. And then if you take down, you're not getting any. I don't know. (laughs) That's what it looks like. But she gets so happy. She's so happy to see everyone. She wants to hug everyone. She wants to kiss everyone, which is to a fault because she doesn't care where she kisses them. She'll kiss them on the stomach, on the butt, on the hand. She does not care. She just can't seem to keep herself from doing it. So I'm going to break in here and say that another odd behavior she has is that she does only kiss boys. This is a huge problem at home and at school. So she's oddly salacious in her behaviors. And you can jump to whatever conclusion you want at that. But she has been inappropriate and salacious in her actions since she was 18 months old. I had never seen anything like this. So she comes into my house at 11 months. She learns to walk. And then all of a sudden, she's like doing these. She's like oddly coordinated and We would tell her not to dance in a certain way because it was oddly sexual. And I was like, ew, you can't have a toddler be sexual. That's disgusting, right? Like it's totally inappropriate for a toddler to be that way. But at the time, she was way more dysregulated. And so she would do it just because I told her not to. And then she'd think it was funny. So then she'd do it at the store and she'd, she had, this is a story for another time. But let's just say the sexualized behaviors are huge for her and have been since she was about 18 months old and all of her other stuff showed up. So let's go back to manic. What do I do when she's manic? Okay, I'm going to tell you that this is the harder one to manage. It's also okay because it's just annoying. She's happy. So it's not like I I just have to manage the annoying behaviors. I don't have to like, I have to teach her how to deal with these behaviors, but I don't have to deal with like some really deep issues that come with her negativity. So here's what I do. Number one, I tell her, I tell her she's headed into a manic phase. We've done this enough where I, I actually call it something else. When she's in a bad mood, we call it a mood. And when she's manic, I say, you're, uh oh, I see you're going, you're getting in a crazy mood. So I call it a crazy mood. I've started calling it manic now that she's a little bit older. And so I can kind of use both terms. And I just tell her because I want her to be aware of when she makes these shifts. But I also want her to be aware of where to categorize her coping mechanisms. I want her to be to be like, oh, I, I feel like this is when I'm manic. So I need to adjust in this way. That's, a, that's kind of the angle I'm taking here. So what I do, because she's five years old, I give her a lot of physical tasks. She loves when she's needed. So she loves doing these little tasks. So I'll say, hey, oh, will you go get my phone from up by my bed? And I just keep her moving because she wants to do stuff. She wants, she's got so much energy. And if I can corral it into these appropriate places, then she's not kissing anybody and she's not pinching anybody and she's not coloring on the walls and she's not doing these other things. If I can keep giving her a task, but 
as you can probably guess, these are short tasks. Because if you give her too long of a task, off she is dancing and, and doing all of her stuff and cutting off of like her stuffed animals. Like off she is doing all those things. So <clears throat> I'll say something like, oh my gosh, how high can you jump? You know, how many somersaults can you do? Can you do a cartwheel? Like, because she's little, I can do those kinds of things. Now, advice for older kids, I would say activity. If you have one of the things I really am interested in is one of those video, virtual reality video games. Just having a room where I have nothing special in it. <laughs> just being like, here you go, do this, exercise this way, make this fun. And just getting a lot of the wiggles going because there's something that needs to settle. And I don't know how to settle it except for letting her body fidget, letting her get this through. So I have to also, another thing I do is I change my expectations. This is a big one for me because I want things a certain way. I want something where my sensitivities can still process. So while part of me likes the positivity and the potential for productivity, I know when she is like this, I can't take her to the movies. I mean, I can't, I can't take her places. She doesn't stop talking. She can't stop moving. So if I can, I will plan around it. I will change my expectations. I'll just be like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do this. But if I already have something that she has to go to and she has to be quiet at, I will literally bring a bag of stuff just like I did when she was a toddler. So I don't bring like toys, but in manic mode, I have to have her have stuff. So my favorite item is one of those paperless drawing pads. You can get a two pack of those for 15 bucks on Amazon. They draw, they draw it, they press a button, it erases, they draw, they press a button, it erases, and they draw to their heart's content. And she will get lost in this because it's something her brain is attracted to. And she can also change it so much that she doesn't get angry like she usually does when her picture doesn't turn out. She just deletes it and tries again, deletes it, tries again, deletes it, tries again, where normally she's angry because let's say she's traced her hand and one finger looks like a needle and then she's mad. So so we're not mad anymore. <laughs> so this is one of those things that will kind of keep her a little longer. But I'll also have little books and uh, cards. I really try to stay away from anything that has like a lot of pieces, but sometimes I just find her favorite stuff and just kind of let her go and know that I'm going to have to shift it out every few minutes. It is really like taking a crazy toddler because I took a crazy toddler places and I know. <laughs> so this might be a time when I would volunteer in her class because I know she takes a lot of time from her teacher because her teacher has told me and her teacher's not seen her in manic mode yet. So I am a little bit panicky about that. So I will probably be reaching out to her teacher right after this and offering to come in and volunteer. I think that it's fair for the other kids that I do that. And here's where my funny story comes in. <laughs> so my husband was taking my kids to school and I was putting together these notes for this episode. And I got to this very point 
And he calls me and he's like, did you give her her medication? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he's like, uh, expect a call from her teacher today. She's having a rough day. And I was like, what happened? She's crazy. She's just doing all this crazy stuff. When she's in manic mode, she'll try to open the car doors just to get out. Just cause, just cause, just cause there's a car door there and she really wants to go out and it has to have a car door. But when she's, she'll do that when she's upset and really in depressive mode to sort of you know, do the dramatic part of opening a car door when it's, when she's driving. I mean, when the car is moving, but when she's manic, she's just, she can't help herself. She's got to touch every button. She's got to climb over everything. She's undoes her seatbelt. Like it's just crazy towns. (laughs) I just laughed so hard. And he's like, why are you laughing? And I was like, because I'm right here (laughs) talking about how the teacher is probably going to freak out. And you call and say, Hey, the teacher's probably going to freak out. (laughs) So, so, and he, he's new to the whole dropping them off to school thing. Um, so, so he doesn't know uh, all the preschool years where I've dropped her off and she's manic. And when she was in preschool, I had a really open relationship with the teacher and I would, you know, give the teacher a heads up and let her know I was available. But when, um, this teacher this teacher has sort of said, cause I'm like, Hey, I'm available. I'm willing to come in. And she's like, well, let's hold off. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I feel like I'm kind of waiting for the teacher to tell me, but she's never met the manic phase. So maybe I'll just reach out. <laughs> anyway, the last thing I do is I do something called that I call compression holding. And I have found a lot of positive things with this. Now, I do this with my older kids who absolutely hate it. And the way I can get their buy-in on this is I say, I can tell you're all over the place. When you have a compression hug, it helps your system regulate. There's just something about it where your your system sort of resets. It kind of is built into us when we're babies. And when we did with um, my little one, when we would hold her and do her pink drink snuggles. You know, you hold her and you hold her snugly, not compression, just snugly. But when she was, would get into her hmm, rages, I think I would call it a rage. And she would be smacking and kicking and hitting and spitting. Um, I would sit in a chair, I'd lay her across my lap like a baby and I would hold her tight and I had to hold her tight so she wouldn't scratch her face. So she wouldn't punch herself in the face, but also so she wouldn't punch me. And so she wouldn't scratch me. So I'd hold her like a baby. One of her, her head is on my, in the elbow of my other arm and I would just press her into me. And sometimes it would take 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes of holding her like this and just like rocking her in the chair or sometimes talking to her or singing to her or sometimes I just put in my earplugs and just like look at my phone because I was about to lose my mind. But the the compression for some reason really helps her to eventually regulate. I'll look more into that too and see what I can find. But I will say, hey, you're getting crazy. Why don't you come sit on my lap? Why don't come here, I'm going to hold you. And she will come and I will hold her and I will hold her fairly tight. Like when she's not kicking and hitting me, I don't have to hold her as tight as I would if she was. 
but I hold her tight. And now she's done it so much that she's like, she's just okay. Like she, I think she kind of likes it because I think she doesn't really like being this dysregulated. I think it's probably exhausting and hard and hard to be in such a manic mode all the time. I'd say it's exhausting, but she does not sleep. (laughs) So I don't know if that's the right word, but it's definitely the right word for me. So when I look at the manic episode in the DSM-5, I think, yeah, this is it. This is definitely it. And I'm going to read the last two sections of the manic episode because I only made it from A to B and the seven points in B, but I'm going to now read C and D. C, the mood disturbance is sufficiently severe to cause marked impairment in social or occupational functioning or to necessitate hospitalization to prevent harm to self or others or there are psychotic features. So when I use the term psychotic, I'm not using it in this way. I'm just using it in way too umbrella-y a term because it kind of, (laughs) to me, is like a descriptive term. So take what I say with a grain of salt. The number and letter D, the episode is not attributable to the psychological effects of a substance such as drugs a medication or other treatment or another medical condition. And then it has a note here. A full manic episode that emerges during antidepressant treatment or electroconvulsive therapy, but persists at a fully syndromal level beyond the physiological effect of that treatment is sufficient evidence for a manic episode and therefore a bipolar one diagnosis. Now, I don't know. I don't know. This is huge. Bipolar is huge. The depressive episodes, I mean... I don't, I don't really think they fit. I think that what happens with my child is she has mood swings and she has manic episodes, but I wouldn't really classify her as, as bipolar. Maybe I'll go into that in more detail in another episode, but I do think that this is exactly what is happening to her. I think in section B, the seven parts of behavior, I think a lot of those happen with her. And she's little and this is a lot for a little person to to take in. But I also think it's really important when I can categorize her behaviors to give them a reason for why they are there. I think it helps me to give her more grace, to be more patient, and to be more understanding of her situation. And so that's why I keep trying down these rabbit holes to be like, where does this fit? And what does this do? Because I think it makes me a better mom for her. And I think that when we educate ourselves as parents, it is beneficial more than it's detrimental. And I think sometimes I can definitely go down some wrong roads and I can definitely make assumptions that are wrong. But I think in the whole, as the whole, it is doing way, way more good than it is doing harm, if it is doing any harm at all. So I really encourage you to look into the symptoms of your child, to educate yourself on any diagnoses that they have, and even check and see if there are diagnoses that are similar. Because anytime you understand, it just makes it that much easier to be able to understand your child. Thank you so much for joining me. 
I wish you all the best in your parenting of your hard kid. Have a great day.